Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Well, Tim, today we find ourselves in the midst of uh, a quarantine still, sort of a weird hybrid place where some things are opening and other things are going back to close. Um, and today we want to talk about what effects that's have, what effects that is having on uh, on us, and what might it have on the future? Which I think is a really important topic. Yeah, it really is. In fact, we've all heard national news reports where they have dealt with this. Gosh, is it better to let everybody out to resolve the mental health issues, or keep everybody in to resolve the physical health issues? But it's it's that yeah. whole idea of what's the lesser of two evils. Um, and Andrew, if you don't mind, I'd love to start with just one quick minute on where that phrase or that concept came from, the lesser of two evils. Um, actually, I yeah. did some digging, getting ready for this podcast, and I discovered it came from centuries ago, not decades ago, uh, when people began using this, this notion in English, but it came from ancient Greece. Um, huh. Yeah, so from Homer's Odyssey, which we all had to read in K-12 education, but um, it's, of course, that's from, from ancient Greece. And it was the story of Odysseus who had to choose whether to go, go near Cilia, uh, which was a, a city that was the lesser of two evils. There were something bad was going to happen in both places, but he had to choose between these two evils. Mm. Um, and what's interesting is we adopted it in English and simply called it the lesser of two evils because we don't know these Greek cities. But then we had other phrases come along, Andrew, all of which everybody listening mm. has heard of. Uh, you know, jumping from the fire, the frying pan into the fire, you know, which, oh my yeah. gosh, or, uh, you know, that, that would just be one, uh, between a rock and a hard place, you know, well, a rock is the hard place, but that, that was just a way of saying, I don't like either of these two options. And that in essence is where we are today. We, we know the quarantine has kept us physically safer than if we were all out with hundreds of people at a rock concert or whatever. But at the same time, we all know that being cooped up in a house, there's been some negative ramifications to that as well. Yeah, yeah. And and part of being in this moment is acknowledging both realities, right? And and really challenging ourselves with through a little bit of critical thinking to think about what are the implications for us, what are the implications for our students if we choose one or the other. And boy, nobody is going through this more, I feel like, than school administrators and principals who are trying to figure out what in the world do we do with school? Which is just, I can't imagine the rock and the hard place that they're in between on that. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and Andrew, I, I hope this is appropriate. I remember, you know, past elections where friends of mine, many friends of mine actually, I don't know if I like either option in this you know, election yeah. coming up. And I don't mean to be cruel to, to either candidate, but just it, it, we've all felt like we've got a decision in front of us. There's a fork in the road. And I don't know if I like either path, but we've got to make a choice. Making a choice is not an option. And so, yeah, yeah. you even had an illustration um, from a survey that was from just last year. Yeah, there was a fascinating survey that came about that basically shows the result of this, of what happens if you live in this in the world. And it's actually, it was even a, a, something that came up pre-COVID. So this was a study, uh, it was a 2019 survey of Georgia University students, University of Georgia um, go dogs for all the fans out there. And uh, what they found is the career office did a survey and found that the most desirable trait in a future employer 
was the ability to offer secure employment. So these not even graduated students in a pre-COVID world were already going, you know what, the number one thing I'm looking (laughs) for in a job is that they're going to keep me, you know? Um, And why would they be looking for this uh, security and this certainty? Because they haven't had that much in their lives up to this point. And by the way, COVID-19 has only made it worse, right? Um, So now students are finding themselves in growing up in a world where you feel like I'm constantly making decisions between the lesser of two evils gets me to a point where all I'm looking for is somebody to just go, here's a normal nine to five job that's going to hold on to you. And it just feels like those kinds of um, options feel few and far between now. So one of our macro messages today, Andrew, I love that illustration. It's so vivid is we're naturally gonna be predisposed, most temperaments are, to look for security and certainty because we have so little of it today. And yet on the other hand, we've gotta recognize that always going for the secure option has a downside. There, there is a, yes. and, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying you, we, we live in a world full of gray and we're going to have to make some hopefully very wise decisions where neither option are perfect. And that's where we yep. want to begin today. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's apply it to COVID-19 because I know um, there's a lot of research and conversation. Some of actually our listeners have maybe read about some of this, but um, talk about how this is coming about in this COVID-19 world. And really, we're setting ourselves up to ask the question of what lesser of two yeah. evil decisions are we about to face and how do we navigate yeah. those things? So, well, Andrew, you and I both know that. in the last couple of months anyway, I have heard medical doctors even disagree on the best way to treat this situation with this global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and and it, I, I won't name any names, but I'm just illustrating. These are MDs. These, the, these people have been to med school. They've done their residence. And, and, and now they're practicing physicians. And they're not even all agreeing on the value of masks or the value of this or that or the other. I think we all agree on washing yeah. hands and staying distant. But it, it's crazy yeah. that we can't even look to one voice and say, well, here's the clear answer, X, Y, Z. And so, yeah. again, just know, listeners, if you're an administrator or a teacher that oversees 25 students, an administrator that oversees 2,500 students, you are being faced with what many leaders are being faced with, and that is a very great world where you've got to make the best decision, but none of them are fantastic right now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think what's really interesting is even some of these, these um, doctors and leaders of all kinds are pushing some of these choices off to other people, you know? Um, So like, for instance, there's a county near us where the school district has made the decision that we're not going to decide whether or not the kids come back to school. We're going to make the parents decide whether or not they want to send their kids to school. And it's, uh, it's really what's interesting is we think of a lot of these decisions as being, well, I'll wait and see what, you know, Dr. Fauci says, or I'll wait and see what our local um, administrator says. When in reality, I think we're all going to find ourselves in the position of having to make some of these choices. Yeah, we are. um, On on even the lowest levels. And before we get started into our practical list today, Andrew, let me just hasten to add, as leaders, and I'm assuming all of you realize that listening, that you're a leader. Whether you chose to be or not, you may not have a badge or a title, but you are influencing other people. One of the reasons we don't want to make a decision is is that we're human. Uh, We don't want the litigation that might be out there somewhere. Someone's going to sue us if we make a bad decision as a school principal. 
We don't like the posts on social media that might happen if we make a decision that not everybody likes. And are there, yeah. Come on, Taylor Swift reminds us there are haters on all sides of every issue. Yeah, that's the to truth. To quote a wise philosopher, Taylor Swift. Uh, so all I'm saying is, I remind myself as a leader, I cannot be in a popularity contest. I must be in a productivity contest. What's going to produce the best mm. results at the end? And that just flies in the face of my human nature. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I know in preparation for this, you started, quote unquote, looking down the yeah. road. Um, and so I want, to see, I want you to walk through with us uh, some of the things that as you look in the future, what are some challenges you're thinking, we're going to have to make a decision and it's not going to be an easy one. This is two, two different yeah. difficult scenarios, the rock and the hard place, you know, the proverbial rock and the hard place. Uh, walk us through some of those things that you, you feel like these are decisions we're going to be okay, making. Okay, so as I look down the road, listeners, I see five realities that we're going to have to face. They're not fun, but they're going to be real just because of how life works. So um, yeah. these are predictable challenges. Um, I think all of them are gonna be uh, right up ahead. Um, and many say we shouldn't expect life to, as it was any longer. I, I, I agree. Um, Andrew, we've been using a metaphor in our office. We not only are in a blizzard right now called the quarantine, but we're in a longer winter season of blizzards, yeah. you know, for the next year and a mm-hmm. half. And it may be part of a ice age. A new ice age. I don't yeah. mean that literally, but maybe the next three, four, five years are different because we don't know what the vaccine is going to look like or whatever it is we're going to need yeah. to get life back to normal. We all want to see each other face to face, except for that st- extreme introvert. We're all going to want to see people again. So here, here are five ideas as I look down the road that might be, wow, this is not fun, but it's a reality. All right. So the first one is the most obvious one to me, weakened immune systems that may produce lots of sickness once we go public again. So again, I don't want to overspeak here, and I'm not an MD. My doctorate is in leadership, not medicine. But just being cooped up in a house, my immune system doesn't stay as strong as it might have had I been mixing it up with all kinds of, you know, bugs out there. And and you you know what I'm saying. Um, Andrew, I've mentioned to you before as we've laughed together, when I was in the third grade, the Hong Kong flu came out and many parents' response was, get it as quick as you can. You know, I mean, we had yeah. chicken pox parties back there. Just, you know, get exposed so your immune system's stronger. Yeah. And I know that may sound really crazy to adults today because we're so safety conscious, but I'm telling you, when we all go back to public, whenever that is, we may find our kids are getting sicker quicker because yeah. we just didn't have... The, and it may not even be COVID. It might be strip throat exactly or the cold right. or whatever else. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So we just got to know that's coming and we got to be ready to, ready to face it. And Andrew, I'll be honest with you, we've got to rebuild our immune systems to be stronger. We, life, the purpose of life is not to make it easy, it's to make ourselves stronger. So uh, whatever yeah. that means, we're going to we're gonna have to be ready for that. That's All good. right, so that's number All one. Right, number two. Number two. Um, another obvious one, but another unintended consequence of this quarantine is financial debt and even bankruptcy due to unemployment uh, may delay a co- an economic rebound. So right now we see politicians on both sides of the aisle dickering over what's the right thing to do and so forth. But all of us, regardless of our bent or background politically, would know we want the economy to be strong. We need it to be strong. Uh, and in fact, if you're an educator, let me tell you why. 
because you know funding comes from tax dollars <laughs> that is, yeah. that, that's going to get stronger if people are employed. So just know this is one possibility that people worry about, some of us worry about the most. Over the last several weeks and months, over six million people, I remember in one week, six million people were laid off you know, in one week. That was just, that's yeah. just too big. Mm -hmm. So this number is equal to all the jobs that were created since the Great Recession a decade ago in 2008, 2009, 2010. So even though we all look forward to a day when we'll emerge from our homes and do business, the business may look different and the economy yeah. may not bounce back as, as quickly. Do I wish for that? Of course not. I want it to bounce back quick. Andrew, growing leaders needs business to bounce back quick. We're having to make some tough decisions mm -hmm. because schools are reticent to, to have events right now. But we, we're just going to have to get ready for maybe this doesn't happen as quickly as I would like. Yeah, and I would say we're all going to be in a place where if if we have a job, we should be thankful yeah, for that yeah. job because increasingly there are so many millions who are who are without. Yeah. So it will be a strange time for yeah, a while. It will be. So, yep. Ice age. Well said. All right. Number three, the third um, unintended consequence of a quarantine like this, even though we need to stay safe, is um, ah, this is the saddest one of all. Um, I try not to get emotional. Um, high domestic abuse sexual assault and suicide due to the pent-up mental health issues. Andrew, I bet you have read what I have read, that there have been spikes in hotlines being called and even emergency room visits yeah. from people because they were cooped up with unhealthy family members that got angry or, or just ment mental health in general was not good. Yeah. Um, and there's been abuse of children and spousal abuse and these victims are stuck in an unhealthy environment. Uh, so when frustrations and fears run high, unhealthy people become dangerous. That's the best way I can summarize. Yeah. I'm not blaming anybody, but because we couldn't get out, uh, it just made us, you know, cooped up in a place that just was was yeah. scary. Yeah. And this is a special note to. Um educators yeah. out there to acknowledge that when your students come back from the summer they're coming yeah. back with varying experiences some of them sat on the couch and played video games yes. all summer <laughs> other ones of them had traumatic experiences and maybe dealing with mental health issues as a result of that yeah. um, and so this is just something to really keep in mind i know we brought this up before but maybe it would do well to shit two minutes if you don't mind me sharing one of the great quotes I have heard during this quarantine was the statement that basically said, we're all in the same boat, but we're not all in the same storm. And what that, what mm. that meant was, for some of us, the storm was really a light sprinkle. Like you said, Andrew, we've been playing video games, and we just got better. You know, When you were in middle school, didn't yeah. you like, middle, like the, the video game thing? You probably would have been just, Absolutely. this is awesome. You know? this was, yeah. It's like the longest summer break ever. You <laughs> exactly. Know? But then for others, it was more than a light sprinkle. It, w it was a downpour. Uh, maybe there was yeah. a furlough, you know, or maybe there was an infection, yes. uh, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But for others, the storm has been a hurricane. Like we just said, this domestic abuse thing. And they wouldn't even say anything when they came back. But you might see, I don't know, a bruise on a child. And you know something bad just happened. And I've got to take some action here. Um, I just, I, the, you know, because I love kids, um, I just, I get, I don't know whether to be angry, sad, or mad 
but I know we've got to take the appropriate response, uh, make the appropriate response for the people that didn't have a light sprinkle, but for those kids that come back and it was a hurricane when they went home. Yeah. yeah. Just important to remember that quarantine is not experienced the same way for right. everybody. Yeah. I think that's that's, that's really the bottom line. Yep. All right. So let's do number, number four. Three. Number four. Um, this is kind of obvious, what, but, but one of the fourth unintended consequences of the quarantine is anxiety issues due to limited resources. Uh, it just may prevent progress. So many kids, we've talked about this only a gazillion times, many kids are wrestling with mental health issues today. But when life was more normal, we were able, able to see uh, a counselor in person. We were able to perhaps get, have access to some things that would help us. For instance, you know, play soccer. You know, that exercise, let's just say, that's, that's very healthy. Well, the soccer, uh, you know, season was canceled. So um, leaders must pay attention to the psychology of this pandemic. In the Great Depression, we, we referred to this earlier, uh, people didn't feel, <coughs> excuse me, didn't feel secure right away, uh, even when commerce could have picked pick back up. And while I do believe our economy will recover, individuals will engage in buying and selling only as they assume they're safe to do so. It's called consumer confidence. And you probably have heard on the radio sometime, consumer confidence may be a while in picking back up. So if their paycheck or position is in question, they may hold back in making big, big purchases at a time when we need yeah. to stimulate the economy, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's the resources from the anxiety that may be slow in coming back. I'm not sure if you have anything to say in response to that. Well, the only thing I would say, Tim, is that I, I think it's important to note that it's it, this isn't just an issue of limited resources affecting our economic reality. It's when we're in a position where the limited resources sort of stall us completely, right? Yeah. There are kid, like hundreds of thousands of kids who are considering not going back to college this yeah. year, yeah. right? Because maybe their mom or dad may not be able to afford the next semester of college or they don't think the experience is going to be that great. I'm going to be paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to sit at my room on my computer, you know, to go to Harvard that way or whatever the yep. situation yep. is. And so I think the the reality is this limited resources are going to prevent progress in a lot of different ways, yeah. a lot of different ways, which is why the challenge is going to be for us to uh, address this. Like you've talked about so many times, like Isaac Newton, you know, how can yeah. this period yeah. where things are stalled, slowed down, all those kinds of things lead us to make big discoveries yeah. and uh, dis- and you know challenge ourselves to write new things and develop new ideas like like uh, Isaac Newton did during his quarantine rather than you know slowing us down and just stalling us absolutely this, what we don't want is for this to be a year where nothing gets done no progress is made lots of people just sit on the couch or whatever that situation is we really got to make sure that we're finding ways to move forward in the midst of this season. yep so years ago Stephen Covey introduced a term that I find very helpful right now he talked about the abundance paradigm and the scarcity paradigm. Whenever you have yeah. an abundance paradigm, you think, <clears throat> yeah, things may be tough, but it's gonna get better. We, we have, we're gonna get more resources. Scarcity is the feeling the resources are running out. Whenever I feel yeah. as though resources are running out, I think differently. Not always bad, but I think differently. And this, this paradigm, keeps us from being our best self. And so we're gonna to have to lead differently when we see kids or adults for that matter in a, in a scarcity paradigm. Yeah. That's good, that's good. All right. All right, let's do the last one, number five. The last five. one, number five. The fifth unintended consequence of this quarantine 
is fear for our health could dominate our everyday interactions in society. So this is a second cousin to the last one, but let me tell you where I want to go with this one. It wouldn't surprise me if many Americans don't shake hands with others again. Uh, I think Fauci even said, don't do it ever again, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and, And while I understand that, maybe that's even right. Boy, does that make life differently. Andrew, we have a yeah. hugging office, you know? We, do, we hug each other, you know? <laughs> we do. And it's yeah. going to be weird. We're going to come back uh, this month, uh, you know, in phases, and it's going to be weird to, you know, stay distant with, with folks that we ha- love to work with and so forth. So we're going to join the ranks of the germaphobes, I think. I know some germaphobes yeah. that were germaphobes years before this happened, and now they're hyper-cautious in public places. Yeah. And it makes sense, yep. but when fear dominates our minds, caution dominates our behavior, and it leads, I think it can lead to narratives and messaging we don't mean to send. L- l- here's a good example. Yeah. I have watched people take walks in our neighborhood. we got a great neighborhood that Pam and I live in, but um, the social distancing direction we've gotten has made them truly socially distant, meaning social distancing was more than physical, they don't even say hi. They, they keep it, you know, yeah. you walk your dog, they push away, you know, don't, don't come near me. And, and it's like coronavirus spreads if I make eye contact. <laughs> exactly. And I don't mean to make light yeah. of this, but I think we need to remember we, we are social creatures. And even if we stay physically a little more distant, we've got to find new ways to signal, hey, I care about you. I want, I want to listen to you. Um, and I don't always do that well. I'm human. But we've got to find very specific and maybe different ways to do that because our fears may just take over. So let me illustrate what I think we need to do. Uh, Andrew, you and I have talked about this over and over. We both have uh, paths where we both had good parents. And our parents and teachers and coaches, I think, while they weren't perfect, led us pretty well. My, the group of adults that led me growing up, I'm very fortunate, they led me well. So when I was a child, resilience was, ex- was an expected norm for everyone. I mean, that was just what adults believed in schools and, and homes and, and sports teams. Uh, and it was expected of everyone, including children. So I was led by compassionate adults, but they never assumed I couldn't recover from hardship. Um, I now count that as one of my most precious memories. Uh, my leaders actually believed in me and expected the best of me. As a young adult, I was involved in numerous car crashes. I know I'm the brunt of several jokes in our office, but within the course of uh, uh, like five years, I was in five or six car crashes. Uh, now, granted, they were not my fault, but that's a whole nother podcast. But car crashes, <laughs> but I remember talking to mom and dad and then the doctors and so forth, and they all, now this is a long time ago, but they all had this, oh, yeah, that was bad. We've got you patched up. You're going to be fine. And there was a sense of, okay, the narrative I got from those people that cared for me was, you're going to be okay. Um, and, and that was after they ensured that I was okay. It wasn't a, a silly denial, but um, I was able to laugh about these later. Um, as a college student, Andrew, I contracted type 1 diabetes as a junior in college. And I was given 20 years to live. Back then in 1980, they said that the average type 1 diabetic lives about 20 years after getting the disease. Well, that was not fun news to get. To a guy who was not married, who hadn't entered his career, all the dreams that I had, I felt like they just evaporated. But I had mom and dad 
who, who, who wept over the disease, but they said, you know what? You don't have to give those dreams up. You can do this. We need to manage that diabetes. We, they were including themselves. Let's do this. And I thought, okay, that's my narrative. So again, it was just, it was just great adults that I'm, that I'm hoping are listening to this that will say the narrative I'm gonna guide these kids into are, yeah, this is hard, you're right, but, but we, we, we think you're gonna be just fine. Um, that's what I think, yeah, so. I love that, I love that. So, I mean, the big idea here is that as we're navigating between these realities, um, you know, between the rock and the hard place, and we're trying to find the path in between, a big part of how we're gonna find what the, the direction to go on to, to find that path is about how we lead the kids through yeah. this moment. Is that is that a great way to Absolutely. sum up what you're saying? So bottom line is there's going to be unintended consequences. We can't get away from them. But the way we lead them through those less than optimal experiences are going to be key. Let me tell you why I think that's especially important today. Differing than parenting and teach, teaching 50 years ago, we are much more scared for our kids. You know, we've talked about that a lot of times. And that narrative can be uh, contagious, where the kids are going, well, if it's not a perfect scenario, forget it, just forget it, you know, that sort of thing. And I think we need to say, you know what, it is less than optimal, but how can we turn a disadvantage into an advantage? How can we leverage this to make you better rather than live in denial or surrender? Uh, and that's what I'm after. So I have a, three words, Andrew, that I wanna come wrap this up with. Um, yeah, let's and do it. It's three words that are A, B, E. So I call this calling on Abe. So let's pretend like Abe's our friend, okay? And I know that's cheesy, okay. but Andrew, what do you expect from me? It's cheese. That's what you expect. <laughs> so it's an acronym, Abe. But listeners, even though you're smiling right now, you're going to remember this because these are three words that spell the word Abe. All right, so the letter A is attunement. I think we as leaders, we need to align our empathy with the experience of our kids. Meaning we don't start with, hey, suck it up. You're going to make it through this. We start with, yeah, I do know this was hard. I'm sorry you missed your prom. Or I'm sorry that internship didn't work out. So let's just attune our emotions with theirs. Again, I'm not a psychologist. But, but, but in my, my three post-secondary degrees, I've learned that good leaders just know how to acknowledge the pain and hurt of their teams. And then they believe that someone's on their team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so you're on my team, but I'm on your team. This lowers their defenses when we do this because they feel like, okay, she gets me or he gets me. So that's letter A. Letter B, cool. belief. I know I've talked about this a bunch of times, but next I think we need to express our faith that they're gonna be fine, like all the adults did for me when yeah. I was a kid, that they're gonna make it through this difficult time. Students must see that we know them and we know that what they're capable of. That's what belief is. I know you're capable of this and you're gonna make it. And then the letter E is expectations. Again, we've talked about this mm. on other podcasts, but this is different than belief. Uh, belief without expectations is incomplete. If we say believe in, and we believe in them, we need to align our assumptions that they indeed will follow through and finish successfully. So you know what it's like? It's like you saying something nice, like I believe in you, but expectations then align your actions. And Andrew, I want an A on that paper because I know you're capable yeah. of an A. And I'm sure your mom or dad said that to you once or twice as you're growing up. And, and that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I would say so, so um, uh, Andrew, uh, one of my favorite habitudes that we've created, um, habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. Some of our listeners may not know that. But it's a leadership principle that's taught with a picture and it's called the velvet covered brick. 
velvet on the outside, mm. brick on the inside, tough and tender. So the velvet on the outside is your belief. The brick on the inside is your expectation. Yeah. High belief, I love you, I care for you, and I believe in you, high expectation. Yep. Because I believe in you, I'm not gonna lower the standard. So one quick, illust- a quick illustration. Um, Andrew, I don't know if our listeners know a lot about this, and I won't even go into it long, because I think I've alluded to it, but when I was 30 years old, a grown man, but still a young professional, yeah. I survived a plane crash. So um, it, was, it was scary, it's the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was a small single engine plane, so we had just hopped off a commercial airliner, had gotten on a private plane, but we were flying and trying to land on a field and we crash landed. So all of us lived, but all of us were badly injured. Uh, they, the, the other three went immediately to the emergency room. I had a, a, an ankle that was beat up, a rib that was beat up, and, a, and, a, and my, my head was, was bandaged and so forth. But here's what I remember in the aftermath. One, I was glad I made it. <laughs> but two, yeah. as I talked to my wife, as I talked to my mom and dad, even as a grown man, as I talked to the medical professionals, there was still a sense, maybe this was a divine thing, there was still a sense of, you're gonna make it through this, you're gonna be just fine. And that helped me in my own thinking uh, as, a, as a young man, my own narrative. So again, I leave you with that. We've got to make sure we help each other form the right story when this is all said and done. Mm, I love that, I love that. Well, Tim, thank you so much for leading us through that. These are actually ideas that you've been not just talking about, but writing about. In fact, you've worked, you've worked on a new book that's going to come out uh, in August, and uh, that book is now available for pre-orders. Oh, so I just want to encourage our, our listeners, if you want to check out the new book, it's called The Pandemic Population. Uh, it is all about these this group of kids in particular who have been most affected by this quarantine moment that we're in. So kids who missed out on graduation, who don't know if they're going back to college, who uh, you know had an internship that fell through or a job lined up that didn't work out. Uh, those kids need leadership and they need us to be their really great leaders. And that's what this book is all about. How do we lead them? In particular, Tim, Tim leads with eight key strategies we can utilize to help them find hope in the midst of and even on the other side of this coronavirus pandemic. So it's called The Pandemic Population. If you want to pre-order, go to pandemicpopulation.com and you'll be able to get it there. Um, it's a small, easy to uh, sort of implement and apply resource. Um, and um, uh, we're really excited about about its release. So be on the lookout for that. Um, uh, just as a quick word of reminder, if you could remember to rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on social media. We love connecting with you there. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore. Uh, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview, conversations you you would like to see us have, uh, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. And then as always, if this was impactful for you or helpful for you, would you mind sharing this with somebody that you know? Send it to somebody in your network or a parent or another teacher that you're connected with. If you feel like it was helpful for you, we just encourage you to pass it along and uh, allow it to be helpful for other people too. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Uh, we we uh, are really praying and thinking about all of you guys as you are navigating uh, the rock and the hard place that we're all facing right now. So stay safe out there. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.